Hi, it's Wes Johnson. And John St. John. And we're here for GGR Pirate Radio. Yeah, because they've got balls of steel. Yes, and we may take those from you when we're done. Um, this is our little cold open that we're going to do for this episode of GGR Pirate Radio. Guys, we have had, um, I've actually thrown together a couple of episodes here um, in between the ones that we do uh, with Steve and I. I did one where I got to interview John St. John. Uh, who's the voice of Duke Nukem. And I also got to uh, do, the, uh, do an interview with Wes Johnson, the voice uh, of the Washington Capitals. Like, he's their PA announcer, but he also has done a ton of video game voices for Bethesda. Like, if you've ever played a Bethesda video game, you've heard Wes Johnson's voice. Um, I got to interview them at Free Comic Book Day. I did um, a new episode of a show that uh, EK the DJ of FXVG Pirate Radio and I have been talking about doing for years now. Uh, where we talk about the paranormal, the unexplained, and beyond. Um, that one was a lot of fun. We did. Um, I did a motivational speech. I don't know if you heard it or not, Steve. Mm, I don't think. I um, no, but basically, like, you didn't tell me about this one. I'll have to. Well, because it was for the Caps, and I figured you would just be like, "Boo Caps," because they hadn't beat the Penguins yet. But um, after they won Game Five. I did like this motivational speech with like the, the the music from Independence Day playing in the background. Oh, never mind. I don't want to listen to this. <laughs> it, it was actually really good, and you might enjoy it just because like I, I kind of called it. I was like, I was like, they came back in Game Five, and they've never done that sort of thing before. And Caps teams in the past would have rolled over and died, but this is our year. And then they won Game Six, and it was I was prophetic in a way and predicting that. Um, but yeah, we've put out a, a couple of different things here. Um, I think pirate radio is going to continue to be that because there are no rules for pirates. So there's no rules for pirate radio. So you'll have our traditional. Yeah. We just kind of, we, we go where the, the winds take our, our ships, right? You know, exactly. Yeah. So you'll get regular episodes with me and Steve. You'll get an episode with me and Yuli. You'll get all sorts of stuff uh, and more. It's always exciting here on pirate radio. I uh, was going to see if there was anything we needed to announce. I haven't even mentioned it yet, Steve, but it's like we're living in a parallel universe because this is the first time in our history of GGR that I can actually talk about my sports team from my city in the playoffs beating your team. This is the first time it's happened in the four years of our existence of GGR. So did and everything you planned on talking about like with me, was that all a ruse just to get me on here yes. so you could just lambaste yes. the Penguins and how the Caps beat them for the next yes. hour? No, not really. I mean, it's. I, I just wanted to... I, I'm not going to gloat because you've never once rubbed it in my face when the Penguins destroyed the Caps on multiple occasions. And I appreciate that. You, you, were, you were a good sport in your victory. You did not... Um, and you could have. You very easily could have. You've been like, oh, you guys are the number one seed. How's that President's Cup treating you? <laughs> um, but you never did that. So I appreciate that. So I'm not going to do that to you. Yeah, well... I mean, every honestly, my my philosophy, even when I played sports like myself, like in high school and college and stuff, like for me personally, I was always a let the scoreboard do the talking kind of guy. Like the fact that like the last two seasons when the Pens knocked the Caps out, like there's nothing I can say that stings more than the fact that your team isn't playing anymore. You know what I mean? So like I always felt the best smack talk was that like we've won four games out of seven. What more? Like what else can be said? Now. That being said, I can still do some smack talk, send you some memes and stuff that, yeah. you know, still defend the Penguins and stuff. But yeah, no, I, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was 
and I think what we'll do is um, we'll, we'll talk about this and then we'll, we'll go ahead and get the, uh, the ball rolling here on this episode. Um, for me, and I said it in that video, so I mean, or in the um, little short that I did, it's only about three minutes. So if you guys get a chance to uh, give it a listen on, a, on the GGR Pirate Radio feed. But I talk about how the caps of all the DC sports teams, they're my favorite. They're, I don't know what it is. Hockey's not my favorite sport. Baseball's my favorite sport. Um, I really like football a lot too, but the Capitals are my favorite team. There's just, there's something about them. Maybe it's because when I was little, my aunt worked at the Capitol Center and I used to go to the games and I fell in love with hockey then. It, maybe that's what it is. I, I don't know. Maybe I really like their colors. Who, who the hell knows? But this victory was sweeter than any of the other ones that any of the other teams could have done. If the Nationals had moved on to the next round of the playoffs last year and had beaten the Cubs, it would have been cool. Yeah, I would have really appreciated it. I would have really enjoyed it. But it wasn't nearly as good as this. It wasn't nearly as good as the Capitals. Not only just winning and going past the second round for the first time in the Alex Ovechkin era, but it was against their rival. And this is like, and a lot of people are like, oh, okay, well, they're rivals. It's, and you can attest to this, Steve, it's more than just a rivalry with the Penguins and the Capitals. Like, when Penguins fans come to DC and the Penguins win, Penguins fans go to the National Portrait Gallery and stand on the stairs at the portrait gallery and celebrate. And like that just riles DC fans up big time. Like you wouldn't even believe, like it pisses us off so much, so much so that this year when the caps won their two home games in the series, they went to the portrait gallery steps, which, which caps fans normally don't do, but they were just like so incensed and so mad and so like over it. And so like, no, we're not putting up with this anymore that they were like, no, we're taking the stairs back. And it like became a, a huge thing. And it was just like, I wouldn't say that the team didn't succeed because the team definitely did. The team played better than I've ever seen them play in the playoffs. Like there was, there was like another gear that they never had and it was wonderful. But like, even the fans were just like, no, we're taking this personally and we're doing something about this this time. It was just, everybody came together and the pessimism that normally happens with this team was not nearly as prevalent. So I don't, I don't know what it was, but it was just, it was, it was wonderful. And I'm sure that it was. It probably feels very reminiscent of when um, the Steelers won that first Super Bowl uh, against the, the modern era, yeah. like their first one of their recent ones, like when uh, when Cower led them. Yeah, when Cower led them past the Seahawks, that was probably really great for you to experience. And just like, yeah, and that's the worst part about it too. Is I'm I'm literally comparing a second round playoff win to a Super Bowl. Like it's that's how starved we are for success in DC for sports. Is we haven't even gotten to the Super Bowl or to the uh, Stanley Cup yet. There isn't even we're not even at the championship level. We're just happy to be in the championship round in the division championship round. Like, well, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that compares very well to. And I know you're not as big of an NBA guy, but like currently, uh, Chris Paul, who's with the Rockets, they're about to start the Western Conference Finals against the Golden State Warriors, and Chris Paul had been playing for the last couple of seasons with the Clippers and they had kind of like a all-star roster. They were flashy with Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan and, and whatnot. And they had never, ever gotten to this round. And that was like the big knock on his career. And I, I don't, you, you can probably fill me in better as far as like the caps guy, you know, like what they're, they're probably saying all the right things the same way Chris Paul is because everyone's saying it's like, all right, finally, like finally Chris Paul made it to the Western conference finals and like he can actually, you know, kind of get that weight off his shoulders and everything. And his whole thing is like, this isn't like a win 
you know, and the fans of his are saying that, but he's not calling that a victory. Like, are the Caps guys basically like, okay, we made it. Like, obviously they're not going to take their foot off the gas, right? No, they're definitely not. And like, it's what it is for them is they're still focused. Like, and I'm not going to, I'm going to knock on wood here real quick, but right now, uh, at the end of the first period, there's like 20 seconds left, right? The Caps are up one nothing against Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay was the best team in the East all year. So they're not letting their foot off the gas. And, and that's what I think is the point of this, too, is this is not something where it was like, let's lay it all on the line and give everything that we got in a desperate attempt to try to beat the Penguins. No. As a matter of fact, in that Game 6 win, they were down three forwards. Like, Burkowski was out. Tom Wilson was under suspension. Nick Backstrom was injured, had a hand injury. So they were down three players, and they had three rookies playing that night and the rookies all had a point so like they got production from guys and and two of the guys it was their first ever playoff game in their career so like this was not something that was like a desperate attempt to try to to try to get past them they they just they are finally playing the right way there's something i don't i wish that i wish i could figure out what the intangible was but there's something different and it felt different this year too like it did it did because i i I remember last year and I remember every single time the Pens and Caps played, and it was always we outplayed you guys for the first two periods, and then you came on like a freaking bulldozer in the third period, and for us it was hang on to what we had already established as kind of a lead in momentum, goals, whatever it was. I mean, even if it came in tied or what, you know. But like typically it just seemed like you guys just got ahead of steam in the third period. And that was the case for this series too. And we couldn't outlast, like, I don't know, like you said, what the extra little bit was that when you got that head of steam coming into the third period and you just, you know, you, you brought the thunder, there was enough this year where the last two years, it just wasn't enough to overcome kind of our little early, you know, momentum. I, I, I don't know. Maybe that, that's just the way I saw it. Because, I mean, I remember watching, it was, it was game five. And I was like, I mean, we both know how pivotal in a tie series game five is. I mean, it's the winner of that is it basically it's a done deal that they're going to win the whole thing, especially with you guys having home ice back in game seven. If it, if it had gotten to that point um, and I we were up three, two and I'm thinking, I, don't, I just don't feel like we got two power play goals. They were very nice goals. You know, they were very pretty off of face off and, and during the power play and whatnot. But. I was like, they come in strong in the third. And then what was it, like two minutes into the third or something? Four minutes into the third period, you tied it up. And then it was just a battle of like, can we do anything? Can we get that last goal? And and you guys got it with four minutes left to go. Yeah, and that was like, again, in that, in that short that I do, that three-minute motivational video, I talk about that, how that was Jacob Verana. Jacob Verana was one of those rookies that was starting. And that was his first playoff goal. It was, and that's your first playoff goal, you know, like what kind of, uh, you wait until then to score your first playoff goal, quite possibly the most important goal of your entire career up to this point, And you scored in game five against the defending champs. Like that, that's awesome. And like in his, and I'll bleep it out, you know, I'll, I'll censor it, but he says something different. But when the reporter asked him, how did it feel to make your, to have your first playoff goal be the game winning goal against the defending champions? He said, uh, pretty effing good. And like, you could just see, you could hear it in his voice. Like he was just, he was elated. And 
you know, if I was going to give an X factor to it, I think that's what it is, is last year, the Caps had a lot more depth with a lot more experience of tenured guys who have been in the league for years. There's a youth movement here. These guys are young. These guys are hungry. These guys are fast. That's your difference right there. You know, that's an excellent point because the difference for us last year was Jake Gensel. Yeah. Gensel was just unstoppable. He was unstoppable this series too, dude. He was everywhere. Oh yeah. He had, I think 10 playoff goals in the, in the series we played. I mean, it's not, I'm so happy that we have him on the team, but like, I don't know, maybe it's one of those things. It's like, no one knows these guys. They haven't played with them against them long enough to really, you know, kind of get a feel for how they play and whatnot. And they can take advantage of that if they, if they have the skill set. Well, and I think too, that like a lot of those young guys that they got too, they're not big bruising guys that they had. Cause last year and the year before, that's what the caps were. They were built to just pound you into the boards and wear you down. And that's why Pittsburgh ended up beating them because they had smaller, faster guys and they were just boat racing the caps. Like it would be a breakaway. It would be like a breakaway. And all of a sudden it's a two on one and the caps would get caught, you know, out of position and the, the penguins would score. It happened. I can countless times in last year's series this year. That didn't happen. The defense just stepped up big time this year. And like, I honestly thought going into the playoffs, the defense was going to be a liability for the caps and it wasn't. And their speed from these young guys has shown through. And not only that, too, they were down. I want to point this out, too. They were down to the Columbus Blue Jackets two games to none, and they had home ice advantage. They lost the first two games. They were the fir- It's the first one seed in the first round of the playoffs to lose the opening two games in overtime ever. And then they came back and won the next four games. So, like, there, there's, a, there's a testicular fortitude that I've never seen this team have before. And it was, I was praying awful. that they, that they folded after they lost that second game. Because yeah. it seemed like every game in that series was going to go to overtime. And I was yeah. just praying. Cause I was thinking like, I, it's not that I didn't think we could, couldn't beat you guys, you know, yeah. in the series. And we didn't, but I yeah. still think if we, if these two same, you know, caps and, and pens, like the same lineups this year, I don't think the Caps beat us in a, if we play a 107-game series. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think the Caps win 100% of the time. Like, I think it's probably pretty close to 50-50. I um, do, too. And, and, but, like, taking it back to last year, too, and the year before, I would have said the same thing. I would have said that, like... And I, I got to give credit to your captain, to, to, to Crosby, because, like, I, I despise the dude with a fiery passion, just like I'm sure you despise Ovi. But, like... um he said something, somebody said like, Oh, you know, uh, do you think the caps have, have finally figured you guys out? Or do you think that like luck is finally on their side? And he was like, luck has nothing to do with it. He's like, he's like, this is a, that's a really good team. And they have been for the last three years. He's like, we're talking about a couple of bounces one way or the other. And we don't get those Stanley cups. He's like, it's not about like, we're that much better than them. He's like, we're really even on both sides. And we have been. And I was like, that's really classy for him to say. Well, he it's true. Say I mean, that. every every year the analysis is always like, man, it kind of sucks that the Caps and Pens are meeting in the second round and not want to, you know, it's a shame they're not on opposite ends and play for the Stanley Cup. And it's a shame they're not playing for the, uh, the con- even the conference final. They, we basically play too early because we always have the best matchup. And about Ovechkin, like, I don't. I don't hate him the way I hate like Vontez Perfect or Ray Lewis when he was in the league and stuff like that. Cause those guys like, I just don't even want to see them play. 
I want I want Ovechkin to play, and I want us to beat him. Like it's one of those things. Like I don't like him. Like on a like professional respect rivalry level versus a, like I think that dude's a scumbag. Kind of don't like him. That's not that's how I feel about certain players in the NFL. Uh, that's on on teams that we were rivals with, but I don't feel that way about Ovechkin. Like I want Ovechkin on the ice when we beat him. You know what I mean? Like I want to see his face when he loses because it's like because it's the same thing that like he wants Crosby on the ice when they beat us. You know what I mean? Like they want to best each other, and I don't think Ovechkin or Crosby would be as good as they are if they weren't playing against each other so much. Like, I think this rivalry has fostered better talent out of the two of them. Yeah, and I, I would definitely agree, too. And, like, I think that um, th- that's, the, that's the thing with the way that they play, too, is, like, the reason why I dislike Crosby is because he's always scoring goals or getting assists, and he's good. Like, it's not like a, oh, he's a dirty player, you know? This isn't like, this isn't like um, Nazem Kadri last year uh, for the... Uh, for the Maple Leafs when he had that dirty hit to Ovechkin's knee where it was just like, you're trying to ruin this guy's career. Like what the hell is that dude? Like it's, it's never been like that with the, with the penguins. I just, I'm, I, I hate them because they're good. Like it's, I, I hate them because they always, they always beat the caps and, and, and no one in this area will admit it, but that is why people in this area hate the Patriots. They sit they'll, they'll, they'll claim up and down that it's because they're cheaters, but that's the excuse they use to not like them. The reason they hate the Patriots is because the Patriots always beat us. Yeah. On that note, we got a good 20 minutes there. Um, go Caps. In fact, they're up, um, <laughs> knock on wood again, they're up 2 nothing right now. So I'm, I don't want to get, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic right now, but that's a, that's a damn good start. Two goals on and nine hope, shots. What? Two goals on nine shots. And they've limited the lightning to two shots. So... Fingers crossed. Again, knock on wood. I'm not saying anything right now. This but is a current update it's on the podcast good. that you listen to well after the game's over. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> I can't believe that the Caps <laughs> lost eight to two. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> Mike's like, it's looking good right now. Right. And you're like, oh, buddy, if you only knew what happened in the second and third period. <laughs> oh, Mike, why did you run your mouth? Um, on that note, guys, let's go ahead and get this party started. This is GGR Pirate Radio. You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. This is called Pirate Radio. Be like, oh, these are stupid guns. Guns uh. are for jerks. <laughs> Run around this city like it's your damn shooting gallery. Yeah, what do you do? What do you do? You act like it's a playground. You beat up the bullies with your fists. Throw him in jail, everybody calls you a hero, right? And then a month, a week, a day later, you're back on the streets doing the yeah. same damn thing. So you just put him in the morgue. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, mother. The Great Parrot Wobbles is here for you. Pain heals. Takes digs scars. Glory. Lasts forever. If you will not turn to the dark side, then perhaps she will. What's in the box? Killer! You son of a... This is called Pirate Radio. (laughs) 
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, my name is Mike Lunsford and this is GGR Pirate Radio. Guys, we've got a fantastic show in store for you tonight. We are going to be talking about Avengers Infinity War. Uh, We are also going to be doing our Mount Rushmore. What is Mount Rushmore? Well, obviously, the mountain in South Dakota is four of the greatest American presidents. We're going to be talking about four of the greatest sports icons of our respective cities. So like Steve, uh, we'll be talking about Pittsburgh. I'll be talking about DC, but then we've also got some other cities that we're going to be discussing as well that we chose uh, via, via draft uh, that we did earlier today. Uh, but I mentioned like he was homework. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I did. I did give Steve homework. Um, but as you just heard there, uh, here is my lovely and talented co-host, Mr. Steve Monick. Oh, shucks. <laughs> Steve, as I mentioned in our little intro there, uh, there was a pretty big movie that came out um, a couple weeks ago. I think, has it been a week or has it been two weeks now? Uh, yeah, this will be the third weekend of it. So we yeah. were recording on Friday. So this will be the like the yeah. third Friday of, of it um, since it's opening. Yeah, and that movie is obviously um, Chipmunks the Squeakquel. No, um, uh, Avengers Infinity War. Um, that's a long running joke. Every time we talk about a movie that has come up against another big title, um, when Star Wars um, The Force Awakens opened, it opened against chipmunks the squeakquel so every time i've talked about going to see a big movie i always joke that it's the squeakquel <laughs> it's a really bad joke and i'm i'm sorry that i keep subjecting you guys to it um but infinity war steve um i was i was blown away like i, I really i legitimately like crossed my arms and wanted to hate this movie really because yeah and the reason the reason why is because it's the same thing that i ran into with the first avengers where it had gotten so hyped up and everybody was like, it's so good. It's going to be so great. It's going to be so amazing. And everyone's going to love it. And you know me, I, I love being the contrary. And I'm like, I didn't love it because of this stupid reason, but I can't, I had no fault in it. Like the only, the only fault that I had it. And let me state this up front. If you have not seen the movie right now, spoilers, 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 because we are not holding back on this at all. Even no, it's coming hot and heavy. Yeah. Here it comes. The only thing that I didn't like about it is, is they, they, they toyed with our emotions because they got rid of people and they had very emotional scenes. Like for instance, with Spider-Man and he's got a movie slated for June of 2019. Like, so you can't kill him because he's going to be like, and that kind of frustrated me. I was like, because that scene was rough. Yeah. It was devastating. Yeah. And like, that was, I mean, I, I kind of knew that, he, he they couldn't kill him because you know, he's Spider-Man. I have at the heard, same time too. I have heard one theory that all the movies that are currently announced with characters that died, you could make them take place between their first movie and infinity war. Like there is space in between. Um, so like you could do Spider-Man like doing something before infinity war happens, but after homecoming um, you, you know, cause it's been, a couple years since civil war and black Panthers movie happens just after civil war. Um, you could fit another black Panther movie in there. Um, Dr. Strange has the time stone. So Lord knows, you know wh- where they could move him if they do a second movie with him. So I don't think that's going to happen, but I'm just saying it's possible. Yeah, it is. It just, it seems like it would be very narrow minded and myopic if that was the choice that they made, because 
especially after the success of Spider-Man, the success of Doctor Strange, and the success of Black Panther, to limit what you can do with those characters. I mean, especially Black Panther, dude. Like, that movie, that, wow, holy crap. First off, it was really good. Secondly, like, it made, like, a bajillion dollars. So, to limit what you could do with a character like that, just, that seems very shit. I agree. I don't necessarily buy into that theory. I think that's someone who, like you said, like, well, you know the movie's coming out, so like, what's the point of even killing these guys off? And you and I both know the point of killing those guys off is because now it essentially leaves the original Avengers from Avengers 1 to be the team that teams up. Um, some of them are probably going to die in 4 and hand it off to the new Avengers, which is going to be your Captain Marvel, Spider-Man, Black Panther. Um, you know, Black Widow's getting her own movie at some point. You know, that's going to be your new Avengers. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and honestly, like, I, I think that we all know that, um, the cap is, is done after this one, after the next one, because he has said it on multiple occasions that Chris Evans was not going to continue as captain America. I'm wondering if they're going to do the same thing with Robert Downey Jr. He hasn't announced it yet, but I think that's purposeful. I think that that is, I, I got a feeling that he's probably gonna, gonna call it quits too, but they haven't announced it like that. Like they have with, um, with Evans. Because I was reading about it today. Apparently, Evans is not a fan of being Captain America. Like, he loves what he gets to be and what he symbolizes and how he um, how he inspires hope and, and happiness and joy from, like, children and stuff like that. But, like, he, he has said on multiple occasions that the suit is ridiculously uncomfortable, that he, he's ready to move on and do some different things with his career. Um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Robert Johnny Jr. feels the same way, but at the same time, like he seems to really enjoy being um, Tony Stark, and, and, and he's well suited for it. I mean, it's brought him, you know, a lot of fame and notoriety. I mean, every I, I I can't I don't know anyone who has a problem with him being Tony Stark. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think there's anyone that I've ever talked to or met or read that said like, eh, he's a decent casting, but I would have cast so and so. Um. And in story, regardless of how four ends, even though their contracts are up, it doesn't necessarily mean they have to die. And I don't know why that's necessarily been like the mindset of the online community and the, the you know the theory makers and whatnot. Um, thematically, in this movie, it made a sense. A lot of people who are familiar with Marvel comics are familiar with the the book Infinity Gauntlet and the, the infamous snap that Thanos ended up doing that that instantly wipes out half of living beings in the universe. And so that's where all this speculation of well, who's going to die in this one. And yeah, half the Avengers died. It happened to be the new half. Um, but I think everyone was trying to piece together. Well, Spider-Man has a movie and Black Panther has a movie and blah, blah, blah. So they're not going to die. Who does that leave? Oh, well, they're probably going to kill off some of these other guys because their contract's up. Um, you can easily write it that, uh, it, with the time stone after everything's wrapped up, Doctor Strange sends Cap back to the 1940s and he gets to live out his whole life with Peggy Carter. Awesome. He is no longer part of the Avengers. You can keep moving on. He's not dead. It's a happy ending for him. He's not dead. So I think just because everyone is conflating this, well, lots of people have to die because of the, the snap and the Infinity Gauntlet and so-and-so's contracts up. That means they have to die. I don't know if any of them have to. Yeah. No, I mean, they don't have to. I mean, like, I could very easily see um, Tony Stark going, and I cannot pronounce the name of the place, uh, going to that cool forge that was run by... Um, Medivalier. Uh, Boulevard. Yeah, that was yeah that was run by Boulevard Trask, or... Um, 
or the dude from Game of, Game of Thrones. Um, Tyrion Lannister. Like, yeah, thank you. Yeah, Tyrion Lannister. Um, and making his own Infinity Gauntlet and getting the stones back. I could very easily see Tony Stark doing something like that. Um, but, I mean, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm, that's the thing, though, is I'm actually excited about seeing the next Avengers movie. And I wasn't with any of the other ones. In fact, uh, you know when I saw Age of Ultron? The night before... I watched Infinity War. Like I just, I never really cared to see it, and I'm—I I wouldn't say I'm kicking myself, but like I kind of regretted not seeing it because it was pretty good. I, I liked Ultron. It was—it was a pretty decent movie, and it actually fit really, really well with Infinity War. Um, watching it right before, but I mean, the same thing can be said about Civil War. Civil War was really good to watch. Yeah, right I could see like well, with so. um, like Tony's vision at the beginning of Age of Ultron, where he's like afraid of being the only one left and all these Avengers are dead and he sees aliens invading earth. And that's essentially what happens in infinity war. Yeah. Um, it's not the Avengers that are dead, but lots of people are and he's alone and he just watched a bunch of people die. Yeah. I think that, um, I, I was surprised at how much I really like Thor now because the first Thor movie was just, okay. It was all right. It was, it was enjoyable, I suppose. Um, the second one was kind of boring. Didn't really like it. Um, I liked him in Avengers. I liked him in Ultron. Um, I, I really liked him in Ragnarok. And they, they did something between um, Civil War and Ragnarok. They did a YouTube video, like a joke of what Thor was doing. Um, and why we didn't see him in Civil War. And it basically, like, he had, like, a roommate. Like, just some random... Team, yeah. team Thor, Daryl, yeah. yeah. That dude in the special features of Ragnarok, they do a sequel to that little bit where the Grandmaster, Jeff Goldblum, is roommates with that same guy, Daryl. And oh my goodness, is it hilarious. Like he 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 has the melt stick and they like they form a band and the one like the guitarist isn't living up to the Grandmaster's vision, so they cut and then you just see a pile of goo with a guitar on top of it <laughs> next to it. Like it is so it's just Goldblum being Goldblum. It's so good. But anyway, oh, talk, cool. talk about Team Daryl. That's that's hilarious. Yeah, like it it added a layer of depth to Thor's character. Like it, it's Chris Hemsworth finally they they finally said to him they were like, listen, you've kind of been off beat a little bit with Thor, and that's the character that he is because you know he's thousands of years old. He doesn't really understand human culture. That's fine. But then they took it to eleven in those shorts with Daryl, and like he took that with him into Thor Ragnarok because that humor was there. Like when he, when he sees the Hulk and he's like, I know him, he's a friend from work. And like the Hulk starts beating on him. He's like, what are you doing? You're embarrassing me in front of everybody. Like he, he finally got into his own and it, it was the same in infinity war. Like I thought Thor was like my favorite character. And the fact that he kept calling rocket raccoon rabbit was the funniest thing Thank ever. Tree. Like <laughs> well done rabbit. Like, yeah. Yeah, this is my friend Rabbit, and this is my other friend Tree. I am Groot. I am Steve Rogers. Like that was, yeah, the movie was great, and like there were so many good one-liners. Like I love when Peter is introducing himself to Doctor Strange. He goes, "Hi, I'm Peter Parker." And he goes, "I'm Doctor Strange." He goes, "Oh, oh, we're using our fake names." Oh, okay. Oh, I'm Spider Man. Like that. That was such. That was so Peter Parker. It was so dead on exactly that character. And like Tom Holland has just done a wonderful job as Spider-Man and Peter Parker. Like, I think he's the first complete. I agree. One that we've I agree. seen. Like I feel Andrew like, Garfield was yeah. a fine Spider-Man. Yeah, I feel like Toby- he was not a good Peter Parker. I did not yeah. buy him as Peter Parker at all. And Toby. Yeah. And Toby was a good Peter Parker, but not a good yeah. Spider-Man. 
I never thought about it. Yeah, but oh. you're you're dead on. Yeah, and like I just it's again it's the first time that I'm actually psyched about seeing the next Marvel movie, and like <laughs> there's a really funny meme going around where they have um uh um the two guys from uh it's always sunny in Philadelphia. And he's handing him the bowl of cereal, and the other guy like knocks it off the table down the hallway. And it says, "It says watching Avengers, Avengers: Infinity War, and then realizing that the next movie is Ant Man and the Wasp, and not um, Infinity War or uh, Avengers Four. And he just smacks the bowl out of the way. Like that's exactly how I feel. Everybody feels. They were like, "Yeah, okay, we'll see it, but we don't really care. We just want more Infinity War." I I, I sent that to my buddy Jim O'Brien the day after I saw it because he's the one who first turned me on to it's always sunny like years ago. And I was like, well, this is just a perfect lineup right here. <laughs> that meme is perfect encapsulation. Like I liked Ant-Man. I thought it was hilarious. I like Paul Rudd. I, I wasn't a big Evangeline Lily fan and lost. Like I didn't like Kate as a character, but she's a very good wasp. Like I think she's perfect for that role. And, um, I just like the dynamic with like Michael Pena and, and and his like little crew of like goofy criminals. Like it's a good movie and it was nice um, change of pace. Cause I think that's the thing that's Marvel's doing well. It's like, yeah, they kind of have a formula and they all cross over and they have the little Easter eggs to other movies and stuff. But the thing they do well is that it, it, the individual character movies are different genres. Um, you know, Winter Soldier is a political drum, you know what I mean? It's, it's really yeah, it's an action movie, but it's more of a political drama. Uh, Ant-Man's a heist movie. You know, it just it, there's these different genres that it goes into. Um, but after Infinity War, all I care about is what happens next. I don't want to go back and watch Captain Marvel in the 90s. I don't want to watch Ant-Man and the Wasp. I just want to find out what happens to the people who just disintegrated. I do too. Yeah. And I, I'm I'm just stoked. I'm, I'm so, so excited about what... And that's like that's the thing is I was I was kind of wavering a little bit with Marvel because I felt like the movies had become too formulaic. It was like somebody had showed them they were like, well, how are we going to do all of these characters and how are we all how are they all going to have awesome movies? And they couldn't really come up with a good idea and they were bored, so they watched a bunch of Will Ferrell movies and they were like, hey, you know that every Will Ferrell movie is essentially the exact same plot format, like same beats and everything. They were like, what do we just do that with the Marvel movies? And somebody was like, do it, print it, we'll make billions of dollars, and. That's essentially what they did, because if you think about it, like every Will Ferrell movie, we'll use Anchorman, we'll use Talladega Nights, and we'll use uh, Step Brothers. The basic premise is, is this is the person, here's who they are, here's their life, and here's why it's wonderful. Now, all of that is going to get thrown into the crapper, and that person is going to have to rebuild themselves up again and bring themselves back to what was great again. With hilarious quotable lines throughout. Exactly. And that's what they do. That's what they've done with Marvel. That's what Thor Ragnarok was. I didn't. I didn't not enjoy it. I enjoyed the. I enjoyed the heck out of Thor Ragnarok. It was a really enjoyable, fun movie. But it was pretty formulaic. It was kind of the same as Ant Man. It was kind of the same as as all of the other ones that they had done. And that's fine too, because you want to know what else is really formulaic? Comic books, in general. And it's fine. And I think that's what it was. Is I was putting. I was putting it up on a pedestal, and I was expecting too much from it. And I wasn't just sitting back and enjoying it anymore. I was trying to find fault in it. And I didn't do that with Infinity War. I just sat back and just enjoyed the ride because that's what it was, dude. It was from start to finish. That was intense. Like, there's no like, well, let's set up the plot. It's like, as soon as as soon as soon the credits pop, it's like, oh, hey, by the way, 
Thor and everybody in Asgard is getting their ass kicked right now. And and you just mentioned how like intense it is and is, but at the same time, the way they weave wove, I guess is the correct uh, grammar there, uh, wove humor into it. Like you mentioned, how Peter Parker has funny lines, you know, and the Guardians are, are kind of goofy, and Drax is mastering the ability to stand there motionless, and like, but that he that moment of comedy comes right after this intense scene between Star-Lord and Gamora where she's like petrified of what Thanos can do. And it's really setting up Thanos as a character. And then these guys are being funny and serious. And it never felt like a little bit with guardians too. I, I loved it. I thought it was a great movie, but James Gunn has a way of writing it where it's like super serious moment. Ha joke. Like let's cut into that with a joke. You know what I mean? Let's break this tension. Um, and that happened a little bit in this movie because James Gunn did write the dialogue for the Guardians characters in this. Um, Marcus and McFeely are the ones who wrote, I believe, the the overall script um, and, and everything. But, um, you know, that, that's a kind of a James Gunn thing to do is, you know, you have the, the glamour shot of the Guardians and then Mantis gets hit in the head with a rock. Uh, you know, like there's always like dramatic cut the tension with a joke. And um, which works for it them. Just, it, I mean, it works it, for the Guardians. Yeah, it and getting a little bit of that in this movie makes sense because they're in this movie a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's not just their movie, so it shouldn't just, just be their style, but taking that style and then mixing it with, with everyone else. I, I didn't feel at any point that it was too much joking. Yeah. Um, the, the humor was just right. I, I yeah. don't know what else to say. Like it was the, it was just the right amount. I agree. I think it was better. The pacing and the humor was better in this one than it was in Guardians 2, for instance. Like, I really liked the first Guardians of the Galaxy because it was it was offbeat. It was different. It was new. These were characters that nobody had really known. The second one, it kind of bugged me a little bit. It was kind of annoying. It was still a pretty decent flick. Um, but I'll tell you, I kind of hate Peter Quill after Infinity <laughs> War because they had Thanos on the ropes. They almost had the Infinity Gauntlet off his hand and Quill couldn't control himself. And a friend of mine, uh, and I'll give him credit, James Rambo, uh, who's an amazing artist, by the way. Check out his web. I mean, he's on Facebook. If you look at James Rambo, Rambo, just like the action hero, um, he's got amazing art. He sells stuff. He's he's the man. Um, but Rambo said that like Peter Quill is essentially a petulant child, and it makes sense because he is. He was raised by pirates. Why would he? Why wouldn't he? Why would he be able to control himself? That doesn't fit with his character. And I was like, yeah, all right, Rambo, you're onto something. Okay, thanks, man. And really, they established that in Guardians, that exact point in Guardians 2, because whenever he heard something he didn't want to hear, that Ego was responsible for his mom's death, he immediately flipped out and started killing him. Like, he just started punching him in the face. And, like, granted, that's something legitimate to punch someone in the face over, as is killing your girlfriend, Gamora. Um, and yeah. like, he had a legitimate reason to be upset and punch Thanos, but he doesn't always look at the big picture. He just, boom, got reaction instantly. Yeah. Um, so overall, obviously, we both, you know, it's the Mike and Steve agree on everything <laughs> show. Um, we both we both really loved Infinity War. Um, I, again, I'm, I really want to see the next one, but I'm still, I think now I'm back on the Marvel train and I'll make a point of going to see Ant-Man and Wasp. I'll, I, I really want to see Captain Marvel because I'm really interested what's going to happen here because I think that that's actually going to give us some clues as to why um, why Nick Fury was reaching out to her via that like intergalactic beeper that he had. Uh, Cause if anybody knows anything about the comic books, that little symbol that was on that beeper at the end 
of Infinity War was the Captain Marvel symbol. So. And and it being set in the 90s, I, I'm very interested to find out why she's so powerful that Nick Fury can call out for help in this situation, but didn't in the prior ones. Like I think that's something that will need to be addressed in that film. Another thing I've kind of been hearing um, as fan speculation is with Ant-Man and the Wasp, the reason they weren't in the film is I know it said that he was under house arrest or whatever, and that's probably true to a degree, but that they'll end up in the quantum realm where time and, and all of this reality stuff, like it's a different universe in the multiverse. And in the comics, it's established that every single universe in the multiverse has their own set of infinity stones. And the infinity stones do not work in alternate universes. So if you took the, the, gauntlet that thanos has in this movie into a different multiverse that like dr strange was jumping around in in his movie they don't work there and so ant-man and the wasp are in the quantum realm time is super wonky there and none of the infinity stones so the whole finger snap thing would not impact them in any way shape or form and they're going to pop out post post snap and have a, a pretty major impact on four um the quantum realm itself may have an uh some sort of effect in, in, in Avengers four as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm either way. I, I think it's, again, I'm back on board let's, let's, let's do this Marvel thing, man. I'm excited. <laughs> um, speaking of, uh, of all in on team Marvel, uh, let's talk about some other sports teams. Mr. Monic. Uh, Look at the head segue. Oh, dude, I'm a pro. With my I know. Smooth as butter. So a while back, you had pitched an idea to me. You were like the Mount Rushmore of X. You know, like where we would talk about like our top four of whatever category. And we've been a little light on the sports uh, discussion uh, on GGR Pirate Radio since our, our return. So I figure, what the heck? Why not? Now would be a good time to bring some sports back into it. But let's use this new topic that Steve came up with, this new template for our podcast. And that would be uh, the Mount Rushmore concept of you pick four of the greatest whatevers. In this particular instance, it's going to be the biggest sports icons of a particular city. Uh, so what Steve and I are going to do is we're each going to start with our home cities, mine being DC, Steve's being Pittsburgh. And then Steve and I each drafted our own cities um, that we either follow or that we really like, or that we just wanted to choose because we wanted a challenge. But um, I think out of respect for um, your defending champion, uh, Pittsburgh Penguins no longer being in the playoffs, I think it would only be fair. Okay. Like, well, in that, um, that idea then if we're talking about the hockey side of things there are do you, do you want me to do all four of mine or do you want to alternate one player each for our home cities i think i think that we can okay. each do our city just do go ahead and do the whole thing and then we'll we'll discuss um like once you do yours that we'll discuss then i'll do mine we'll discuss, uh, so and then we'll move the, on to the next city. four individuals okay. that i picked as my actual winners of of the place of honor on the Mount Rushmore to me had to meet certain criteria. And that criteria is not only did they have to have um, a fantastic career statistically, um, they had to have Mm -hmm. um, um, been in a championship game in their sport. They, they had to um, have a, a certain okay. level of name recognition where everyone, not just in the city, but goes, oh, absolutely. I, I know exactly who that is. And then finally, I wanted guys who 
do a lot of charity work, good work, that kind of stuff outside of the sport, like use their, their notoriety and their sports acumen and everything to help the community or whatever. I wanted them to be good people. Um, so we'll start with the hockey stuff and obviously Mario Lemieux for, for the pens. I mean, it's a no brainer. I don't think, I don't think anybody can, can dispute that for any reason, regardless of what team you are a fan of, like not, yeah, dude, like totally like I would. Yeah. Because not only was he, was he an amazing player? He saved that city. The, the team, uh, or not yeah. the city. I'm sorry. It's not like he's Batman. Um, hey, we don't know what he, he does at night, he but the he could be out yeah, there he saved the We don't know. Yeah. But not only that, he he overcame Hodgkin's disease, which is lymph, lymphatic cancer. He overcame that and came out of retirement to play again and was still really damn good. Yeah. Like he's just he, he's a, a a once in a lifetime player, in my in my opinion. And I feel like, um, you know, playing in the same era as Wayne Gretzky. Um, it, yeah. it, it, it kind of sucks. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like current NBA yeah. players that are playing with LeBron James right now. It's like, you're always exactly. going to yeah. be second at best right now. Like, and I feel that's, that was, yeah. you know, with Lemieux, um, not being 100% healthy for his entire career. Um, I don't know if he necessarily ever would have gotten to the numbers that Gretzky got. Um, and it kind of sucks that like Gretzky literally called the great one is playing against you. But like you said yourself, no one can deny like the numbers. Like I don't even need to tell you the numbers, like the stats and stuff that he put up. I mean, he was, he was an absolute machine. Um, But he stood out to me too, because in the area, not only when there was discussion of the pens leaving and he was integral in keeping them in the city. And we've had three Stanley cups since then um, more than Lemieux won himself playing. He won two in the early 90s. We've won three with Sid since then. Um, But around this area, um, he does a tremendous amount of work with Children's Hospital. And um, he basically, when he's not working with the pens, he's basically out working, helping sick kids. Um, He has a huge medical center. He works with like UPMC. Um, He does just a ton. So to me, again, like, when I was looking for my Mount Rushmore of Pittsburgh, like I love it when you can do a lot and encourage people with your, your talent and your, your leadership and everything that you do on the ice, on the court, on the field, whatever. But when you're done with your career or during your career, if you can do that much more, like that's what puts you on Rushmore versus just an honorable mention. And I'll have my honorable mentions later, but um, he, he just an awesome, awesome dude all around. Yeah, I mean, and like uh, one of the stories that I that I love hearing is like when they drafted uh, Crosby, that Crosby was just you know he's a rookie, he's not making a whole lot of money. Uh, he lived in Mario Lemieux's guest house. Like I thought that was kind of cool. Him and Flurry, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thought that was really, I thought that was a, a really kind of a cool story, and that's part of the reason why I like hockey so much. Is like I feel like unlike the other sports, I mean, obviously they get big contracts too, but I feel like these guys are a lot more connected to the community and they're a lot more grounded than a lot of these other athletes and other sports. Yeah. And maybe it's just because, I don't know, maybe it's because the, the game itself is more international. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what it is. It yeah. may be because it's not as popular. Um, so you don't get the big, you know, shoe deals and, and what, I, I don't know, but yeah, you're right. Like these guys are tough and they're grounded and they seem like they just want to get to work. Yeah. 
you know, and whatever, in whatever way that is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, talking about like, uh, in a different era, the entire time before he um, left to get treatment for, for Hodgkin's disease, he smoked half a pack of cigarettes a day. <laughs> Can you imagine like an athlete in, in today's any sport <laughs> smoking half a pack yeah. a day while playing at that kind of level? I mean, it's like it makes you think of like the 1930s and 40s, uh, 40s like football and stuff where they uh, – you know, basically would live on hot dogs and beer, like Babe Ruth yeah, or whatever. Or like, <laughs> it's like, how did you do yeah. anything? Exactly. Like Redskins, Redskins icon, Redskins icon, Sonny Jurgensen, right? Like Jurgensen never won a Super Bowl, but like he got traded from the Eagles to the Redskins uh, in like the fifties. Right. And like my, my dad grew up like idolizing him because Sonny Jurgensen was like the everyday man. Like he would come up to the line, his gut hanging over his football pants He'd go eat a hot dog on the sidelines, smoke a cigar after the game, and then whip like a 60-yard bomb to somebody. The dude had like a cannon for an arm. And like, yeah, it, it is an era bygone. It kind of reminds me of um, in uh, old school when Vince Vaughn's character is doing the Iron Cross on the bars. And he's got the cigarette like hanging out of his mouth while he's doing it. Like, Still holding. Still holding. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's I, – I, I couldn't – yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you on that one. Um. You know what? Here, what we'll do is we'll go we'll go tit for tat. I think that that'll work. Um, that'll work a little bit better because in the same vein, um, the first person on my DC sports Mount Rushmore is number twenty eight in your playbook, number one in your hearts, the ageless wonder, the itty bitty guy, Daryl Green. So, around here, around these parts, Daryl Green is is more than just a football player. Like he. You can't ever question him ever. There was never any point when he was too old or he was too slow, like, because he never was. That, that's what was amazing about him. Like, I want to say like in his last year of his career, cause he played, I want to say he ended up playing, um, darn near 20 years. Yeah. From 83 to 2002. So that ends up being, that's ridiculous. Yeah, he almost did 20 years in the NFL, which is unheard of. Yeah. And like in his last season with the Redskins, he still was running like a 4-4 or a 4-5-40. Like for, for most of his career, he was the fastest man in the NFL. And this is in a time when there were p- players like Deion Sanders, Barry Sanders. Like he was still the fastest man in the NFL. Like not only was he, he won two Super Bowls with us, he, he was a seven-time Pro Bowler. He was the Walter Payton Man of the Year in 1996, which, as you know, I mean, that's something that you have to earn. Like, that's not that's not just like, oh, hey, you're a great football player. It also means you're a great person. And you know how yes. I feel about the name. And I feel that it needs to be changed because it's outdated. Um, he does. He does, too. And another one of my my Washington heroes, Art Monk, who I feel like I had to choose either Art Monk or Daryl Green. And Daryl Green actually has the same birthday as me, February 15th. So. Sorry, Art, you know, I, I got to give it to Daryl. Um, but also I have a Daryl Green jersey in my in my closet. Um, Daryl Green and Art Monk both agree that the organization should seriously consider changing the name because of its possibility of being racist towards Native Americans. I mean, he's a devout Christian. He just, he does a lot outside of here. In fact, here in Fredericksburg, he actually used to work for um, Mary Washington, uh, the college down here. So like, oh, really? I got to meet him in person. And like, I think I said, when i met him because i was so starstruck um and i have a picture where like uh, my eyes are closed in the picture of course because i'm so nervous but like 
yeah, it was just he's he's the guy. He's he's the man. And I mean, he he just there, there's his most famous moment. I don't know if you've ever watched this. I mean, it was way before your time. It was way before my time. Shoot. I, w- I was like one when it happened. But Tony Dorsett in his prime with the Cowboys got a handoff and ran all the way down the field and was just like, look at me. I'm so fast. No one's going to catch me. Oh, but here comes Daryl Green. And Daryl Green caught up to him and tackled him at the like five yard line. But if you watch the video and you see the slow motion, Dorsett turns around and sees him and his eyes get big. And he's like, holy crap, this guy's going to catch me. And it was the first time anybody had ever raced down Tony Dorsett and caught him. And it was just, it was awesome. Like, and this was early in his career too. I want to say this is like 83 or 84. So like we knew good things were going to come from this guy at that point. You always love having that kind of guy on your team, like the hustle guy. You know what I mean? Like, cause I know yeah. both of our teams have had the opposite. The guy that kind of gives up on the play, the guy that's kind of in it for himself or whatever. Um, yeah. He just oozes like, I'm going to work hard. I'm, I'm going to do everything I can for the team. I'm going to try and make everything around me better. So like clearly on the field, but also with the organization, you know, trying to change the name, um, you know, that, that you, you don't, like you said, you don't yeah. win the Walter Payton man of the year award because you, you go home and spend your millions on yourself. Exactly. Um, you know, so that, that's, I, if he was a stealer, he probably would be on my list as well. Just with that kind of caliber of person. And that's, what's great about him too, is like that he was such a good, person that he could have gone to any team and thank god he didn't um and then he and that's another thing too that was rare about him and and then you'll notice this with, with a lot of the players that we mentioned but not all of them there are some other there are some exceptions but for the most part a lot of the players that i think both you and i are going to pick they tend to stick with that one team for their entire career yeah and that's unprecedented in the nfl i mean and, and first off i mean he exceeded the expectation when it came to how long a player normally plays but then on top of that he stayed with the same organization the entire time too. And that's, that's just always, always admirable in my book too, because it wasn't always just about money for him. With all 16 of my guys, not, not all of them are lifelong one teamers because spoilers, I have Chicago and Michael Jordan may or may not have made it. And we all know he played a couple seasons with the wizards, you know, after his, his second retirement, uh, I'm return. From and those don't count. Yeah, yeah. So, but but I mean, like, I that definitely weighed very heavy when deciding between different people, different guys from from a, a particular sports city. Um, yeah. I couldn't agree more. I and I don't know why. Like, I, I I know the loyalty thing from a fan and a team perspective. When I think about it from their perspective, like, I don't begrudge a guy. Like, if if a team's going to pay him huge buku bucks to go play for them, like, why wouldn't you? You know, obviously your services command that kind of money but i definitely up a guy for for their loyalty yeah yeah i do i do too for sure so who you got second on your uh, on your pittsburgh pantheon steve well with the three guys left i have one from each of the sports teams that we have a football a hockey and a baseball okay. so which which sport do you want to hear next i want to hear who you chose from football because you guys have a pretty ridiculous tradition and i'm curious if you went old school if you went new school somewhere in the middle so yeah i, I want to see what you got from the Steelers. you are correct that the Steelers have a deep bench and after i do all four of my guys i'll list my honorable mentions and everything like that but yeah the Steelers okay. have 24 hall of famers um so wow. yeah it's a deep bench uh the pirates have yeah. 37 hall of famers so yeah there, there's there's some history in in, in pittsburgh 
The Steeler I went with is one that I grew up kind of watching. Um, he was a Super Bowl winner. Uh, he's active in the community still in Pittsburgh. He was a, he was mm-hmm. a cameo in an episode of The Office. <laughs> Do these clues give you an idea of maybe who it might be? Um, hang on. His nickname is um, is the uh, the Transit Authority. Wait, no, 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 no. Wait, I'm wrong. I'm You're close, getting though, right? there. Yeah. The double decker. No, yeah. <laughs> we all know. Jerome the bus Bettis. Yeah, I had to go with Bettis. <laughs> And yes, technically he was drafted by the Rams. I know that, but that's not like the Steelers claim. I don't even think the Rams would claim him. You know what I mean? Um, I just love this guy. Um, He he was so fun to watch growing up and he is a consummate professional. He was one of those guys, like you said, um, when he became a Steeler, like he was a Steeler for life and he did everything that the Steelers needed him to do. So he went from the lead back to the goal line back. Um, he always did it the Steeler way. And, and it's hard to describe kind of the Steeler way unless you live in, in Pittsburgh or whatever. And I know every team has their quote, this is the right way, this is the way we do it or whatever. Um, and the biggest problem with our current lineup uh, with some of the offensive players is they're not doing things the Steeler way. They're kind of doing things where they're making it all about themselves and not about the team and that kind of stuff. But Bettis was never that guy. Um, I loved watching him play. Um, he had a lot of finesse in his early career. He had a lot of finesse for how big he was. Um, and yeah. And then when he got older and, and, you know, naturally, especially as a running back, you get blasted so many times. Um, you can't you can't be so agile and so what did he do he bulked up a little bit and became a goal line back because that's what the sealers needed him to do and that's what he did and so he got him and fast willie parker you know changing pace between each other it was really really fun to watch it deuce mcallister at the time too if i remember correctly um uh he has asthma and my, both my mom and brother have asthma so that probably biased me a little bit too because he's kind of an advocate for that uh, but yeah he does a lot of uh charities for for children in in the area yeah. um as well yeah and uh yeah he had a cameo on the office which <laughs> made me very happy so if we continue to give these loving diatribes about our our favorite things this is going to go for like three hours um there's nothing right. wrong with this i think truncate it yeah exactly <laughs> we're gonna kind of truncate this too so uh for my second i'm gonna give you the same option you can choose hockey you can choose baseball um you can choose because i chose one from each well i didn't choose a basketball one because first off the wizards suck um, secondly, I don't, I'm not a huge basketball person in general and all of my favorite basketball players all played in other cities and are from other cities too. So like I, it's, I've got another football and I've got a hockey and a baseball. So you, you choose which one you I want. don't blame you for basketball. I mean, this is your Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Um, I know baseball is yeah, exactly. your favorite. So why don't you run with baseball? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to give you a choice here. Because baseball, just like I did when we did our favorite bands, baseball has a 1 and a 1A. And the reason why there's a 1 and a 1A is because for my formative years, there was not a Washington, D.C. baseball right, team. Right, um, I right. Do, I right. do have a Washington Nationals representative, though, in case I need to. But also, just like when, um, when Eric, uh, E.K., the DJ, put on his Facebook page, you know, people don't know what vendors are. And I was like, well, it's one of them circle diagrams, isn't it? Um, this is technically a circle diagram with another city and it's Baltimore. So my favorite baseball player of all time is Cal Ripken Jr. 
when I was growing up, there was no DC baseball team. So the Baltimore Orioles were the closest baseball team to watch. And I fell in love with this team. I fell in love with Cal Ripken because Ripken played the game the right way. And is there a right way to play it? Like some people say Bryce Harper's not playing it the right way because he's flashy and he's arrogant. Okay, there really isn't a right or wrong way to play this. But Ripken was, as a little kid, the perfect person to emulate because he loved his dad. In fact, he worked for his dad because his dad worked for the Orioles too. And like he, (laughs) one of my favorite stories is when he won the AL MVP award in in 1983, right? Uh, the, The Major League Baseball sent a representative to his house to tell him about it. And when they found him, to tell him about it, he was cleaning leaves out of his gutters. <laughs> like he's, he's just a blue collar dude. And he's not, you're not going to see him, you know, drinking champagne in the club with a bunch of strippers. Like he, he's a blue collar dude. I mean, every single kid in the DC Metro area emulated Cal Ripken because he was big. He was strong. He was unbreakable he was the, he was the iron man that was his nickname because he played more baseball games in a row without missing a day than any other person in the history of anything ever and like he's unbreakable he's awesome and like he's like the nicest dude ever like apparently i've never gotten to meet him and i've always wanted to but people tell me in meeting him he's just like the nicest dude and he shakes hands and he signs autographs and takes pictures like how cool is that and like to have a dude that there's no dark you know, history, there's no skeletons in his closet. Like that's just, that's the kind of people that I wanted to grow up emulating. That's the kind of people I want my son to grow up emulating. And like, and not only that, he was AL MVP twice, you know, he wanted, he won a um, world series early in his career. I never, I didn't get to see it cause I was too little, but like he was a champion. He was, uh, he was the best at, at his position. He, as he got older, they moved him from shortstop to third base and he was an all-star there too. His last game, his last all-star game, his last at bat in the all-star game was a home run. Like this guy is the Cinderella of baseball. Like it, it is a storybook picture. Everything that happened to him was wonderful and he did it all the right way. So Cal Ripken is up there. Um, if I got to choose a national, it's, it's easy. It's Ryan Zimmerman. Um, first off, he wears my favorite number. He wears number 11. Um, not only that, he is, he's, he's the Ripken of the nationals. He was their first draft pick when they came to DC in 2005. He's the last remaining original Nat on the roster. Um, he does incredible charity work. He went to the university of Virginia. So like, he's a local dude. He's, he's, he's ours. He's Virginia. He's he's homegrown. And like the dude he has his down years. He has his up years, but that dude is so friggin' clutch. The opening night of Nats park. So the first few years they played in RFK, right? The old, uh, uh, Washington football team, uh, stadium. And then they built Nats, uh, nationals park. The first night of nationals park, they're tied three to three with the Braves bottom of the ninth. Ryan Zimmerman hits a game winning home run. Like that's what he does. He hits walk off home runs. Like it's like, it's nobody's business. And, you just you couldn't ask for a better spokesperson for your organization. Now, yes, now I know it's it's Strasburg, it's it's Harper, it's um, Scherzer, who are all amazing athletes. I love them to death too. But Zimmerman's always going to be my favorite. Yeah, and like we said, this is your Mount Rushmore of yeah. guy. I mean, you got to back it up. You can't just pick whoever the heck just because you like their face or whatever. But like you got to be able to back it up, but there's nothing wrong with, Hey, this guy's just as good as this guy. I like this one more. So he's going, he wins, you know, we're not pretending yeah. this isn't yeah, biased. And the only, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and the only reason that the only reason that Ripken and Zimmerman are both on there is because DC baseball is a unique situation and it didn't exist for the majority of my life. So yeah, so I, I kind of I, I had to ha- throw that in there. But then when we discuss Baltimore, I mean, obviously Cal Ripken Jr. will get a nod, but I'm not going to give my diatribe again. So, um, while while we're on baseball, Steve, give me your give me your Pittsburgh yeah. Baseball so night. he has a bridge, a wall in PNC Park named after him, and a statue right outside um, the park. Roberto Clemente. Um, you, you cannot talk about the Pirates without talking about him. Um, his numbers are legendary. He, he for his career, is an over 300 batter. Uh, he had 13 seasons where he was over 300, and his career average was uh, 317. And he's in the 3,000 hits club, which is a pretty rare club. Um, Albert Pujols just got in it this year, and he's one of very few. Um he unfortunately died way too young. Um, for those who don't know, he died in a plane crash. He's, he's um, f- uh, from Latin America descent. Um, and he was, there was an earthquake in Nicaragua and he was taking supplies down um, in an airplane because uh, he had sent supplies down three separate times. And every time there was corrupt officials who took everything instead of doling it out to the people who needed it, the victims of the earthquake. Um, and so he was flying down basically to make sure it got to who it was supposed to. And the plane went down um, and he, he died in a plane crash. So unfortunately, he was just uh, 38 years old at the time. Um, yeah, just an incredible human. Yeah. And, and not just an incredible baseball player, an inc- incredible human being that was trying to help others. And it's just amazing. And he's a, and he's just so to a degree, too. he's a barrier breaker. He's the first... Um, player of Latin American or Caribbean descent to be enshrined in the national baseball hall of fame. Um, and his, his number is retired in, in Pittsburgh, obviously um, the, the places, the city's littered with stuff, yeah. um, you know, honoring his memory and, and both the player he was and the person he was. Um, and like I said, not going to go on, on too long of a diatribe, but um, the, the other three guys on my list are, yeah. are like nineties and, and more recent. He's the only kind of old school guy that that made the Rushmore, and I don't think out of all the history of Pittsburgh, there's anyone who probably yeah. deserves to be on the list more than him. Um, it's just a he's an exp- yeah. when you have time, do a little bit of reading. Uh, just read his story. It's a very very inspiring story. Like he does what support sports is supposed to do. It's supposed to inspire you and give you role models and go, wow, that guy. Yeah does life right he 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 takes everything that he's given the the good things and the bad things and makes it into something that's, that's on a different level um so read his story read more details about him he's extremely inspiring um and he does what sports is supposed to do for you who else did you have as far as baseball goes uh like is the honorable mentions um bill mazeroski willie stargell kent to um i uh, and Onus Wagner. Oh, okay. All right. Those are um, all like, and that kind of spanned a, a little bit of a streak there, but it really aren't because we had that almost 20 year sub 500 um, stretch yeah. there. Basically my first 20 years of life where we had losing seasons. So there wasn't yeah. <laughs> a lot of, of 
not that I didn't watch the pirates or anything like that, but they you would not consider them great. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, there's not going to be there's not going to be too many people uh, knocking down the more uh, knocking down the uh, door for uh, Dimitri Young. You know, like yeah. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. No. Um, yeah, and like Clemente is just incredible and such a such a good good person, and the way he ended up going out is just again so tragic. Um, so the next person on mine is so revered in this city that we've given him sainthood. We call him Saint Joe. And that is Joe Gibbs, the head coach of the Washington Redskins. And when you live in a town that's, that's so politically driven, Joe Gibbs has an amazing quote that he said. He said that, because um, like people always wanted him to talk at like, you know, political functions. Like, oh, if we got Joe Gibbs on our part, you know, on our side, then, um, you know, how, how could anybody ever, ever question us, right? Um, one of the things he said, he said, the Redskins are the only thing that unite this town. And he's right, like left, right, you know, Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, whatever you would call yourself. When the Redskins are winning, everybody's happy. And he, he, I mean, he ends up being, um, I mean, he's, he's very, he's very conservative. He's, he's Christian. He spoke at um, the Republican National Convention when John McCain was running for uh, president to endorse him. But for the most part, he kind of keeps it low key. But that's really not important because the guy is was a genius when it came to offense and say what you will about dynasties, right? Okay. The team of the eighties was the 49ers. Okay. They won four Super Bowls. La di da. Okay. That's great. We'll talk about them later. Cause some, one of us will do San Francisco, but like Joe Gibbs, first off brought Washington, their first Super Bowl championship. They'd won other championships before there was the Super Bowl, but he brought the first Super Bowl to Washington in 1982 um, with Joe Theismann under, uh, under center. The next Super Bowl he brought was in 87 with Doug Williams under center. The next Super Bowl he won was 1991 with Mark Rippon under center. He's the only coach to win multiple Super Bowls with a different quarterback each time. And it just shows that the teams that he created, the, the, the offensive schemes that he ran, like the way he coached, it didn't matter like who was there. Like he was plug and play. Much like the way that they describe the dynasties of the Patriots now, like I, I still think to this day that that '91 Washington team and, and ESPN r- r- rated them as the best team ever. That like if you were to take the '91 Washington uh, team and match them up against the 2003 New England Patriots or the 1970 whatever Pittsburgh Steelers, that the Redskins would most likely win those games because they were just a better made and built franchise. Which is That's nothing to say against these other teams. No one yeah. ever talks like, about them. No, and they were four, they were fourteen and two that year, and they they just happened to lose one game to the Cowboys because of course they lose to the Cowboys, right? Um, and then they lost the last game of the season against the Eagles, which didn't matter because they were already fourteen and one at that point. Like in the playoffs, um, they outscored their opponents that year in nineteen ninety one. It was something like sixty five to seventeen. Damn, like. It just, it wasn't, no one was competing with them. In the Super Bowl, they ended up winning 35-21. It sounds closer than it was. It was like they, they, they boat raced the, the Bills. And it was just like, it was, it was wonderful. It was a great time to be a Washington fan. As a little kid, watching the Redskins win two Super Bowls, I thought that that was the glory days. I was like, great, they're going to be winning Super Bowls every single year. This is great. I love being, I love football. And then they sucked for like 25 years. And they still suck. Um. 
but Joe Gibbs, man, like, and he's, he was modest. He was, he was pious. Like he was, he was grateful. Like he was respectful again in that same vein of Cal Ripken. Like we had all of these great heroes to emulate in DC when I was growing up and it was awesome. But like, not only was he this great person, he was also a fiery competitor. Like they were, there's a story in 1987 when, um, the, the strike year, like the, I don't know if you watched the ESPN 30 for 30 documentary about it, but he talks about his hatred for the Philadelphia Eagles. Right. And the Eagles were just beaten Washington down. Like they were just like, they were manhandling them. They were beating them up. They were injuring them. And Gibbs came in and Gibbs was pretty soft spoken for the most part, but he comes in and he flips a table and he throws a bunch of stuff and he goes, I effing hate the Eagles. I effing hate them. We are not effing losing to this effing team because he didn't like Buddy Ryan. Buddy Ryan was the coach of the Eagles at the time and Buddy Ryan was a loud mouth and he was just, just a pain in the pain in the butt in general. Right. See, the Redskins I thought everyone and- loved the Ryans. <laughs> oh yeah. They're such great guys. Um, yeah, no, like, so they came out in the second half and just like turned the game around and ended up winning and beating the Eagles. And it was just, it, it's just cool that you have somebody that can be that two sides of the coin, essentially, you know? And you don't want him to be that guy all the time. You don't want him to be the hothead who's screaming all the time because then everyone's just going to tune it out. So it's like one of those things like, oh, when he's yelling, you know, it's for real right now. Like, you know, we're, we're better get it into gear. Exactly. Like when you're, you know, if your dad is a pretty soft-spoken person, but he yells at you, then you know it's bad. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, who you got next on your list, Mr. Monik? Fourth guy here, and it was tough. It was real tough here because he's like, th- those first three, uh, Bettis, Clemente, and Lemieux, like those were like boom, 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 no, no brainers, one from each team. The fourth one was hard because there's so many. Uh, so the quick list yeah. of honorable mentions who did not make it. Heinz Ward, Troy Polamalu, Bill Mazeroski, Willie Stargell, Kenta Colby, Yamir Yager, Terry Bradshaw, Lynn Swan, Mean Joe Green, Franco Harris, Onis Wagner, and Big Ben. Had to put Sid the Kid as number four on Rushmore. He's got three rings. Yeah. You know okay. what I mean? I mean, Big Ben, yeah. he has two. And really, he barely counts for that first one against Seattle. Uh, he He played. Just god awful yeah. in that game. He he didn't lose it so much as the rest of the team won it. Um, he basically he dilfered it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and, and you can make the case for Bradshaw because he has four Super Bowl rings, um, and he did a, g- a good bit to help win those those rings. Um, but this being my personal Mount Rushmore and getting to see all three of those Stanley Cup victories, you got to pick Sid. He his his numbers in the playoffs actually outrank a lot of Mario Lemieux in, in some meaningful ways. Um, I don't know. I just I, there's and like you, what you talked about in the in the cold open, it, just something about the rivalry with him and the Caps and Ovechkin. It's been so fun to watch his career. Um, he just deserves a place on there. You know what I mean? He has with the Pens almost leaving the city. And going from there to the insan, like the insanity level of of fandom for the Pens that this city is now, it's getting close to rivaling the fandom of the Steelers. It's it's not there yet, but my goodness, I mean, you can't go anywhere yeah. 
without seeing people wearing pens jerseys and it's not just like a playoffs thing it's not just like a bandwagon like all right the pens are in the playoffs again we're gonna win stanley cup everyone start watching like it's legit people are watching the pens from game one on and uh the steelers are still the team here but i feel like our my generation and younger yeah they're starting to to kind of drift towards the pens and and sid's responsible for that at least in in a large large part yeah i mean like uh, you, you can see it i mean like it's i remember there were there were penguins fans before because they were from pittsburgh you know it's like it's your team you root for them but now there's like there's die hard penguins fans and i feel like that that is a relatively new thing i mean obviously there were the teams in the in the 90s that won those back-to-back cups but like it wasn't it wasn't nearly as vicious as it is now which it, it gets it gets pretty dicey around here, man, because there's a lot of transplants. Oh yeah, and oh yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. I mean, I again, you know, begrudging respect to him because he's a consummate professional. He's a, an amazing player, and they kick the crap out of us on a regular basis. So I kind of have to tip my cap to them. Um, he he's the kind of guy you want. He's intense when he's on the ice, but when he's off the ice, he's soft spoken, professional. He he always says and does does the right thing as like a role model, but that doesn't that's not his personality when he's playing. Like he's the kind of guy who's like, yeah, I mean the Caps they just they're a great team. You know, one bounce here or there is a difference or whatever, and that's what he's saying off the ice. Whereas on the ice last year during the Stanley Cup, if you remember him and uh, um, PK Subban kind of getting into things, oh my God. like. There's, smashing his head against the ice. Yeah, there's no yeah. lack of intensity with the guy while he's playing, and that's what you want. Like, I don't need some loudmouth hothead off the ice talking and yeah. saying how great he is and blah 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 blah. Like, I want it. I want him to show it, and he's the total like. I'm gonna let the scoreboard do the talking. I'm gonna play my hardest, play intensely, yeah. and at the end of the game, it's gonna be four three us, and that's all I need to say. We're gonna yeah. walk off the ice and see how you know, move on to the next game. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to give my honorable mentions here real quick. Um, a couple of, uh, Washington football players, um, Sean Taylor just gets an honorary mention because it's all what could have been and, and what we got from him. He was an amazing player and he tragically died in the middle of his prime of, of, of a very promising career. So I feel like he has to get an honorable mention no matter what, um, that same era of Washington football, Santana Moss. Oh yeah. Undersized. Short, short guy, but a beast in his prime. He single-handedly, him, well, him and Mark Brunel, him and Mark Brunel single-handedly defeat the Dallas Cowboys after being down 13-0 going into the fourth quarter, and they come back and win 14-13. Like, two bombs. Like, he, he had, I want to say he had four receptions that game for like <laughs> 260 yards because everything he caught was a bomb, and it was awesome. And like to this day, that still gives me goosebumps watching the replays from that game because like it was it was just incredible. Um, Chris Cooley Chris was Cooley. again in that yes. same era, like deserved better. I forgot about him. Yes, yeah, yeah. I loved Cooley. Um, as far as on the Nationals, um, I already mentioned Zim. I, I mentioned uh, Steven Strasburg. Like we made fun of him on a podcast. You remember this when it was me and you and Scott, the Madman from a. Uh, from a shock shock monkeys where we talked about like, if I remember correctly, did we talk about having a pulled pork shoulder or something like that? Yeah. We said that if he was going to have a sandwich, it would be a pulled, pulled pork shoulder sandwich. And then he would, he would cry because he was injured again. 
Um, I, I gave this guy such a hard time because I feel like he was always injured and that he had no, I use this word, but I'm going to use it again. He had no testicular fortitude. Like when we needed him to, to, to have a, a gut check, it just never came until last year against the Chicago Cubs in the playoffs. The dude had a, had the flu and came in and basically struck out every single player. In fact, like people from the stands were lining up to see if they could hit him and he was striking them out too. Like they, yeah, they dug up Ernie Banks and he struck out Ernie Banks too. Like it was, it was just incredible. Like it was, it, it erased all bad feelings I had towards Strasburg. I was like, this dude is the man. Um, same thing for Max Scherzer. Like, I don't know how much you watch baseball, Steve, but like Scherzer is on a level I can't even describe. He's won two Cy Youngs since he's been in DC, which is awesome. But also, like, he'll get in this mode where, like, let's say it's the seventh inning, right? And he has 12 strikeouts in the seventh inning, right? And he's got, they have, the team uh, that he's pitching against has, like, two hits against him. And the Nats are up 2 nothing. He'll start pacing around the mound and cursing at himself and yelling at himself and punching this glove. And it, you're just like, oh, my God, what is going on? Like, he's so intense. But, like, not only that, it somehow works. And like he'll all of a sudden pull back and throw 96 and strike a dude out. Like he's just I love that kind of intensity. And he's and he's a great dude off the off the mound too. But like that's the kind of player I want in DC. That's the kind of player I want playing for my team is somebody who really gives a darn about everything. It's it's it really fits with GGR too, because we talk about like how we want people who are passionate about the things that they love. And that's Scherzer, dude. Scherzer is passion 110%. Like he oozes the stuff. Like it, it, it's, it's amazing. And like, I got to give Bryce Harper, a, 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 at least a bone here. Like he is single-handedly helped shape this DC baseball thing that we got going on now with the Nats. I'm cautiously optimistic that he's going to stay in DC. I hope he does. Um, I think even if he leaves, he'll still be an icon here forever. Um, I just, God, I hope he stays. I really do. I hope they work this out and I hope that he ends up getting a good contract and he sticks with the nationals for years to come and that we're talking about that's the hardest thing with baseball i mean yeah you know just with without having the salary cap you know what i mean it's so hard to 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 keep a guy like that yeah i mean because the yankees could just be like hey we want to throw a billion dollars at you and he would be like okay sold like because they're the yankees and they can do that um and they're not paying their current guys like anything so i mean yeah they 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 can afford it (laughs) right yeah um so the last one though because I'll, I'll mention a couple of other people in his realm. Um, Nick Backstrom is amazing. Uh, I love him. I think he gets an honorable mention too because he's the most underappreciated Washington capital out there. The guy's an incredible setup man as far as assists go. He's a great two-way player, plays great defense. He's, he's, he would be, you would love him if he had a black and gold jersey on because he is the consummate professional. He doesn't talk trash. He doesn't say much. He goes out there, he does his job, and he's awesome at it. Um, That's what you want. Braden Holt. Exactly. Braden Holtby is exactly what this franchise needed as a goalie because the Washington Capitals had goalie problems up until Holtby came into the league. Um, and, they, and they drafted him. He's homegrown. Um, they brought him up in the playoffs. They were an eight seed against the number one seed, Boston Bruins, the defending champion, Boston Bruins. This is like four or five years ago. And Holtby was kind of untested and he was a rookie and everybody was like, Oh God, we're so screwed. There's no way we're getting out of this series. And Holtby was unbelievable. And they ended up beating the Bruins in seven games. But there is a moment in that series where Rich Peverly, 
was playing for the uh, Bruins at the time, and he tried he hit Holtby in the crease, and Holtby turned around and knocked his ass to the ice. And Peverly got up and was like, dude, what the hell? And Holtby's just standing there looking at him. Peverly grabs his stick like a baseball bat and swings it at him like he's going to hit it and then stops right before he hits it. Holtby has his arms crossed the entire time and doesn't flinch. It is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. I was like, this dude is the man. I love him so much. Like, I will, I'll send you the video. There is nothing more, more BA than that. Right? Like, like it was the, I'm not know. a Kobe Bryant fan. I don't know if you've ever seen the video that I'm about to reference. Yeah. Oh, God. Who was it? Oh, I'm going to kick myself. I think it might have been Matt Barnes. But he basically, like, Matt Barnes is going to inbound the ball, and Kobe's standing right on the on the line. And Matt Barnes basically puts the ball three millimeters away from Kobe's face. And I swear to God, Kobe doesn't even blink. I mean, not, not a single inch of muscle, not one muscle fiber move. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not a Kobe fan, but that's cold-blooded. And the and same thing sounds yeah. like with Holby, man. It's like, dude, when a dude's about to wind up on you and, and crack your dome with a hockey stick and you just look at him like, this means nothing to me. <laughs> like, what a – yeah. <laughs> is just, there a bigger insult? I just sent you the link. Like, we're going to pause the show for a second. I just want you to see this because it's oh, awesome, man. It's, like, <laughs> it's, so, it's, it's so great because, like – it's oh man, it's like I said th- that sold me. I was like, I don't. This dude's awesome. I'm I'm totally in on on anything Braden Holtby. And like, I actually have a Braden Holtby jersey like in behind me here in my in my closet as I'm, as we're broadcasting. But yeah, like he he is the man. Like, go ahead and watch that real quick just so you can see it and appreciate it. It was it was the coolest thing ever. And then we'll go to my uh, my last one here, and we'll probably uh, we'll probably save those other ones for an, another uh, another podcast for another day, Steve. We'll talk about our other cities. Oh yeah, there, there's some good one. I mean, we can tease it a little bit with which cities we had, oh, yeah. and let people kind of think about like, ooh, who would I do for those cities, and they can see how we yeah we compared. Um, but real quick, while I'm watching this, yeah, um, it I, it just reminds me, and I know you've had to have seen it. Um, yeah. the the backup goalie for the Pens. Versus Rick DiPietro. Yes. I don't, the, the, the one punch knockout. Yes. Oh my God. He really is just standing there like. Yeah. He's like, what? Whatever. Do something. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to do something? Jeez. You're going to bark. You're going to bark, little doggy. You're going to bite. Like, yeah, exactly. Don't, like, don't show me videos like that. I don't want to like the Capitals in any way. <laughs> this is this has obviously been Photoshopped. This is obviously fake news. Like. <laughs> Oh, and there um, goes the shout out for you, Mike. I'm sorry. Oh, are you watching the game right now? Yeah. Oh man, they scored a goal. It's four to one. Oh man, that's unfortunate. Whatever. Um, I'm sure they'll be fine. But um, at any rate, when we're ta- while we're talking about hockey here, when a player comes to town for a team that really hasn't had much success in their, in their franchise because the Washington capitals are never going to be considered the Pittsburgh penguins or the, you know, the Chicago Blackhawks or the Montreal Canadians where the, they're the, the elite, you know, like the, the cream of the crop, the top tier always thought of as the best team in the NHL. They're just not. And I accept that. And I understand that, but that all changed. And I want to say, I don't even remember what year he came into the league. Now I got to look it up real quick. Um, because I, I don't even I remember. I believe it was 
oh, one, two, oh, four? Oh, four, oh, five. Yeah, 2004 was when he was drafted. So oh, 05 was his first year. year before Crosby. Yeah, and that is Alexander Ovechkin. Um, <laughs> the fact that I was answering your questions before you officially said who it was. Yeah, you knew who uh, it there was. was no, there was no doubt. Yeah, he... He, he means so much to this city, and, and I can't explain to anybody who's not a, a real sports fan why, but he brings a level of hope to this city that we didn't have before. Caps have had some good teams. You know, there were some runs in the 90s where they were pretty good. They got to the, the Stanley Cup Finals in 98 and lost to the Detroit Red Wings, um, but they'd been good before, but they had never just gotten over to the hump, and they'd never had the best player in the league, you know, like that one player that was like dynamic, that was game changing, that changed everything. And that's what Ovechkin is. Yeah. I mean, like you can argue back and forth, who's the better player, Crosby or Ovechkin. Crosby has the hardware, but Ovechkin's got all the awards. Ovechkin has been the Rocket Richard winner, which is the most goals scored in the league uh, for that season multiple times. Um, he's been the MVP. Like he, he just is. And he's not like Gretzky. Gretzky was a Gretzky's not going to scare anybody. Okay. Gretzky's not the kind of guy, because you think of hockey players, and you're like, oh, he's going to beat me up. Or, oh, he's going to get in a fight with me. Gretzky ain't doing that. Gretzky is going to be faster than you, and he's going to deke you. He's going to fake you out, and then he's going to score a goal. And then he's going to score like six more times because he's just an amazingly talented athlete. Alex Ovechkin is going to run you over, take the puck from you, hold you down on the ground with one arm, and score with the other hand as your team loses, and then get up, laugh at you, pick you up, and pat you on the back. Like he's, he's just, he's a freight train. Like the dude is, I've never seen anybody so big and so imposing, but also there's a, there's a joke going around here and there's a website actually named after it. It's called Russian machine never breaks. This all comes from Ovechkin was at, uh, was at an all-star game practice, right? And I can't remember what player it was that he ran into, but they had a tumble and Ovechkin fell into the corner, into the boards. And everybody was like, oh my God. That looked really, really bad. He must be injured. And the guy skates over to him. He's like, Ovi, you okay? And as Ovi is pushing himself up and doesn't even blink, he goes, Russian machine never breaks and just keeps skating on. And you're just like, oh my God, this guy's amazing. And he he says that like, Ovi, how are you feeling? He's like, Russian machine never breaks. Like he's, he, he scores goals at will. He is just an, an incredible person too, because he does so much for charity. He does so much for the city. Like he means so much to Washington Capitals fans. And like, I, I have a feeling that he's going to be one of those guys that lasts on this team forever. I don't think he'll go to another team. And if he does, it'll be like late in his career at like a trade deadline kind yeah, of thing. One of those ones where it doesn't really matter that, that he like, like we're yeah. talking about with Jordan, like, yeah, he played for the wizards, but no one cares about that. Like he played for the bulls his whole career, exactly. even though he technically didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Alexander Ovechkin is, he, he brought hope to this city. And now, I mean, this is the first time that they've moved on past the second round in his career. And they, they're looking pretty good right now. They're up, they're up four to one. And, and this is, this is a dynamic Tampa Bay Lightning team either too. I mean, this is no, this is no slouch. They were the number one seed. Um, I want to say that they were the, no, they weren't the president cup trophy winner. It was uh, Vegas, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. But still, they were the number one seed in the East. Um, it, it's just it. It he he deserves a cup. I, I don't care what anybody says. I feel like he deserves a cup. I feel like this team deserves a cup. And I'm hoping that you know. Again, knock on wood. I hope that this is the year 
that they put it all together because the guy couldn't couldn't be more deserving of 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 some success finally in his career. Um, I think that let's let's tease real quick though, and then we'll go ahead and wrap this up because uh, it's about ten about ten fifteen here on the East Coast, and uh, we got all sorts of plans because it's Mother's Day weekend here. So um, when we did our draft, Steve, uh, why don't you give everybody uh, your cities, and then I'll give them my cities that will that they can look forward to that we're going to talk about the uh, the Mount Rushmores of. Yeah, so I felt like I mean I did get one big one. I went with Chicago. Um, yeah, I grew up a Bulls fan, so I, I and Mike and I kind of made this little rule. He he thought of it, and I thought it was a good idea. Is one of the three cities you have to pick has to be a rivalry city. So um, obviously yeah. I couldn't pick DC for the cap, so that kind of left me with Baltimore, Cincinnati, or Chicago because the Cubs are you know rivals with with the Pirates. So I went with Chicago to check off my rivalry city. But then I wanted like two, not necessarily small markets, that's not the right word because they're definitely large cities, but two lesser thought of cities yep. that you go, I wanted to show that there was actually a wealth of talent there um, and, and, and history. Um, anyone can go with an LA, you know what I mean? Like anyone can go with a Dallas. Um, but I went with Houston and Denver in addition to Chicago. Yeah, which... Which I'm just going to let you know right now. I'm going to tell Donnie that you're doing Denver, so he will be very critical of your decisions. So, yeah, I I think I, and I did obviously we're looking at kind of the four major sports. Um, I did extend that to Colorado, quote unquote. So like the Colorado Rockies, the Colorado uh, Avalanche in Denver, were included so, yeah. in, in that thought process. Yeah, exactly. So even though they're not technically the Denver, whatever, um, they play in Denver, so it counts. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Um. So. I'm, I'm looking forward to these choices for sure. Um, my choices, I went pretty East Coast uh, with mine um, because I had to do a rivalry city. So I chose New York because, oh God, like I can't, we're not cursing on GGR, but F New York so hard. <laughs> God, I hate New York. Like you guys don't even understand. Like, well, you will because I'm going to be All your rivalries are there. <laughs> all of them. All of them. Every sport, like the Mets, the Yankees. The Giants, the Rangers, the the friggin' Islanders. Oh God, it just makes me sick just thinking about it. Like we're gonna talk about them, and we're gonna, I'm gonna give credit where credit is due for some of their better players, whatever. Um, but I also chose Boston um, because I am I am a Patriots fan. Um, but also too, Boston's got a really rich history when it comes to sports. Um, and then my other one, because again, and I kind of tied this in with my Venn diagram um, with Ripken. Uh, I'm going to do Baltimore because um, Baltimore is kind of an interesting city because they don't have four major sports, but they do have three. They've got baseball. They've got uh, football. Um, did I just say three? What else do they have? I think they have baseball and football and that's it. Um, yep. so they've got two. I was going to say. They certainly have basketball or hockey. <laughs> no, they don't. No, because they kind of count the caps for them, which is weird. Um, they're, oh, now I know why I said three. Uh, because they had the Colts to begin with, and now they have the Ravens. So technically, they had three teams, but gotcha. Yeah, it's mostly just the O's and the Ravens. Um, but we'll talk about the 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 Baltimoreans uh, at some point here soon too. <laughs> I think that'll I'll be our next podcast. I think maybe we, if we can even schedule, we might be able to do this next week, Steve. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, because we already know what our topic is, and we'll be able to streamline it and get it out to you folks as fast as we possibly can. Uh, so any parting remarks, Mr. Monick, before we go ahead and wrap up the show? Um, I would say that it's probably safe to assume that people who listen to this, there's a number of people who live in your area and my area. So first off, yep. go to GGR and let us know who we missed or why you agree with us You know, with, with our picks for City. 
but also really start thinking about those six cities we named um, and, and some of the history that's there. Yeah. Um, there's some people that you're definitely going to go, that's right. I completely forgot about that dude. And there's ones that are like, you know, Michael Jordan that no duh. <laughs> so, uh, but there's some really good ones. So definitely be thinking about that. Um, we love doing these podcasts because sometimes it is the Mike and Steve agree hour. Um, but that's why we need you guys to participate because sometimes there's just total gaps that we forget. Oh yeah. And especially too, I think once, once we get inside outside of our cities, because like, I can't really disagree with you on Pittsburgh. I can't be like, I can't believe you chose Jerome Bettis. Like that's not my place. It's your city, man. And like when we get into Chicago and Denver and Boston and New York and Baltimore and Houston, like we're going to have like, Oh dude, why didn't you pick this person? Like, I really think there's going to be a little more like, um, not disagreeing, but like, oh, did you not think of this person? Or like, hey, you know, I'm really surprised that you didn't choose this one. Yeah, there's 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 gonna be some conversation, especially like I have a sneaking suspicion. I don't know how deep you got into it, but like for Boston, I would have a lot of Celtics. And I feel like with the history of Boston and you not being as big of a basketball fan, you didn't have as many Celtics, yeah. if any. So like I'm very excited to I'm very excited to have these conversations just because you and I prioritize the four major sports in a different order. Um, so I feel like that would affect yeah. our Rushmores for each other's cities differently. Uh, so I, I'm very interested to have these conversations to see like, you know what? I never even would have thought of that guy. Or it's like we're in total agreement, like always. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it'll be it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. But uh, guys, check oh, out yeah. our website. As Steve had mentioned, it's uh, greatgeekrefuge.com. Check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Instagram. Uh, follow our, our feeds that we got on the, on our podcast. You can check them out on iTunes, on Stitcher. I'm working on adding them to Google. Um, but yeah, definitely give us a follow because we got a lot more coming up here for you. Um, so for Steve Monick and for all of our folks over at uh, GGR, my name is Mike Lunsford, and this has been GGR pirate radio this has been pirate radio network production juice bags <laughs> <laughs> yeah boy <laughs>